Welcome to the snooze button. Hey, I'm Brittany of Brittany She and Sleep. I've got 99 problems, but my kid sleeping isn't one. Good morning, guys. Welcome to another episode of the snooze button. I'm your host, Brittany of Brittany She and Sleep. So, okay, today I'm going to talk about, well, I'm talking about my kids and my own experience. I'm going to be talking about potty training. So as many of you know, this is a new offering I now offer families. I had been talking about potties so much with so many clients. Obviously, it comes up with sleep all the time, whether it's night training, what if their diaper is dirty, what if we're in the middle of potty training, what if we want to start potty training, should we move from a crib to a bed because of this, all the things, right? I'm talking about pee and poop a lot more than I thought I would when I launched this business. So I decided I'm going to actually get a certification to become a potty training consultant too, because not only is it going to help my existing clients, but I also was getting over the years, a lot of outreach from former clients being like, hey, who's the you of potty training? Like, we need someone. And the truth was, I didn't have someone I felt like I should be referring people to. So I became that person. So here we are. So I want to talk to you guys a little bit about what I did with my two boys. So if you don't know this already, I have three kids. I have a six-year-old, a four-year-old. They both just turned six and four within the last week. And I have a daughter who is a year and a half. So Both of the boys, of course, are potty trained. I shouldn't say of course, but they are. So I want to talk to you about what I did with both of them, that experience, what I did right that I'm going to repeat again with my daughter and that I tell clients to do, and mistakes I made along the way, and things that, looking back, I would have done differently in some way. Okay, so let's start with Teddy, my oldest, who just turned six. So Teddy, and I will tell you for both of the boys, actually, I potty trained them over the same weekend, two years apart. So they were born a week and a half apart. I mean, two years apart, but like they're both born in in late May. Um, And I, we, in both cases, they were attending preschools in the fall, right? That coming August, September, where they had to be potty trained. So my thought process was, okay, February of the, you know, the winter prior, that is plenty of time if they have issues, if they have regressions, all of that kind of stuff. Because I definitely heard like kids have regressions or things happen. And I thought, okay, well, I certainly don't want to stress myself and them out by doing this in like late July, you know, and giving them like a month to figure it out. So I thought, okay, I'll do it a couple months before that. By the time we did it with Teddy, so Teddy was also, he was very verbal early on, but he was a late walker. He was late with a lot of his gross motor development. I mean, everything from sitting up to running and, you know, everything in between. So in theory, I might have even potty trained him a little bit earlier because of how verbal he was, but I really wanted to feel confident that he could like fully sit on the toilet by himself, pull pants up and down, get up and, you know, get on and off of the potty, all that good stuff. That's really important. And I, I stand by that. That That's one of the most important um, readiness signs that a child needs to have to start potty training. So MLK weekend in February felt perfect because I had three days that I could work with him on it and we could potentially, he was only in school two days a week anyway. Um, so it was like fine, right? And this was also, <laughs> best part about this was it was right before the pandemic. So I honestly don't even remember if he had issues when he went back to his school because again, it was from like nine to 12, two days a week. Um, and he was in like a twos program and, you know, they didn't make a big deal about potty training. You didn't have to be potty trained. And at most he was back at school for like two weeks before the world shut down. So we kind of lucked out in that sense because we, he basically got to stay home anyway. Okay. So with Teddy, we start MLK weekend with both of the boys. I did like, you know, a, a, a pretty standard three day method. 
um, which I now in my practice call um, a three-step method because I don't I think three days is very misleading and gives the impression that everything's perfect in three days, which is cray-cray for both sleep and potty training. That's not how life works. Things aren't magical in, in three days. But anyway, so with Teddy, things went well. The, you know, kind of like what you expect reading in the books, like, you know, this might happen and this might happen. He was progressing along. Um, he actually, that first day when he had to poop, he started to poop. I remember this, and it st- started to go in the grass, and I kind of ran, and I was like, oh, poop goes in the potty, and he sat down, and he finished pooping in the potty. That was the only poop accident he ever had. It was like, that's all it took. He did it one time and was like, got it, I'm supposed to poop in the potty. Poop was a no-brainer. He got progressively better and better with pee, you know, kind of the normal trajectory. We did about three or four days, or maybe it was just two days that he was naked, moved to commando, you know, all that good stuff. However, what happened with Teddy is at some point in the summer, we went back to the East Coast to visit family and friends, and we were on Cape Cod. I will never forget it. And he started just having accidents all the time, pee accidents. So he was still great with poop. He would still tell us when he had to poop, but he would just be like standing outside by the pool and just pee himself. And I, like so many parents that I now coach through this, was so frustrated. I was like, you've been potty trained for like six months, or maybe it had been like four months or something. Um, I was worried because school was starting in a month, and I was just very frustrated. I was like, you know how to do this. You've never had issues before. So I did what so many parents do, and this was my big mistake. I started using, and I off the bat didn't want to use rewards and, and bribes and threats and all that. I you know, I had kind of my process mapped out. Um, and then just because of my frustration and I think my own anxiety about school starting and really wanting to make sure this wasn't going to be an issue, I started first with the whole like bribes and rewards thing right I'm like I'll give you xyz I don't even remember what I used probably like candy or a treat or something you know a, a toy I was like if you you know don't if you don't have any accidents today you're gonna get this spoiler it did not work I don't remember if he like was or was not incentivized by the treats but it didn't help he was having the same number of accidents you know in the days would flow right one day he'd, he wouldn't have any and the next day he'd have four um, so then I moved on to the even worse decision, which I s- deeply regret, which was moving more to punishments. So at the time, poor Teddy, this is, makes me sad to even think about, he had this little caterpillar that he would always sleep with and like carry around with him. He called it Kappa Lily. And I would threaten to take away Kappa Lily, which is like, oh my God, such a mean mom. Like, why did I think that was okay? But I felt at the time like desperate, like he has to figure this out. So I started to threaten to take away Capilelli. And I think I did for one or two of his naps. I took away Capilelli. Um, Guess what? Didn't help. Um, if anything, I think it made it worse. And at some point on this trip when we were on the Cape, and this was over the course of maybe two weeks that this was all going on, I decided to take a step back and reassess. The, the, the rewards are not working. The punishments are not working. I'm stressing him out. I'm getting more stressed out, and I'm getting angry, and I don't want to be an angry mom. So... I decided to just stop and release this and I'm going to just use the neutral language that I believe is going to work best, which I still stand by. Things like listen to your body. If you feel the pee-pee coming, go to the potty. Being neutral about accidents, it's not like you're saying it's not a big deal and you're happy about them, but I stopped being like, oh my God, again, like you just went to the bathroom or you know whatever I had been saying. Um, and nor did I make a big deal about it when he was successful either. I really wanted to release the pressure on either end. Um, I now tell clients when we're doing this, like, you're kind of playing hard to get, you know? Like, you you see a cute guy at the bar in my made-up scenario, and, like, you're not going to run up to him and be like, oh, my God, you're so cute. Like, what are you doing? Like, come stand to me. You're going to, like, 
you know, just keep having fun with your friends. Glance, you know, you're going to do your thing. You're playing hard to get. You're like, you are having a great time. You don't need him. He's going to come over when he sees how much fun you are, right? You're kind of doing that with your kid. You, you're, you're releasing the control. You are not making a big deal. You don't want it to seem like you're desperate for them to go to the bathroom because that can create anxiety on both ends. Even if they're successful with it and you make a huge deal about it, they're like, well, shit, LOL, pun not intended. Um, you know, what if I don't do it again? Is she going to be mad? Okay. So fast forward about two months because of the pandemic and I had just started my business and like all this stuff, I won't bore you with the details. Teddy was essentially in one preschool three days a week and another preschool two days a week so that I had childcare coverage at the time, like nannies and babysitters were not really an option. You know, this was three months, four months into the pandemic and he was at these preschools. So my lesson from the experience with preschool is one I give clients a lot now, which is you really need to communicate with schools when you're going into the potty training process or just while you're in it in general, finding out what their policies are around potty. Are they going to help the families with it? Um, If the kid has an accident, are they going to send them home? Are they going to change them? Are they going to talk to the child about it? Like, do they have set times? They take them to the bathroom. Like, what language do they use? There's so many things you need to be communicating with, um, with teachers about. So what happened with Teddy is one of the schools had a very... And in retrospect, you know, great positive policy and concept around potty training, which is like, yes, you need to be potty trained to go to the school, but they also understand that these are, most of them are either about to turn three or just turn three, are all newly potty trained. Accidents will happen. They are, they use very similar language to what I have clients use, you know, listen to your body. Oops, it looks like you didn't make the potty. You know, really working with families, they are very neutral about accidents. If an accident does happen, they will hand you the bag and say, he or she had an accident. Um here you know and you just have a spare change of clothes there's not a conversation about it unless you bring it up now that was the school he was in some days a week the other one did not have a good policy did not have a good process the teacher from my perspective was I don't it seemed like she didn't like my kid I mean I feel like that's weird to say and you feel like you're the mom who's like oh my god everyone should be obsessed with my child like I am I swear I'm not that person which I think why it got in my head so much is I was like I'm not the mom who's like hovering outside the door asking a million questions and like really worked up but I just got the sense that this woman didn't like my child for some reason and what was happening was the days of week that he was at the first school I mentioned, he wasn't really having accidents, like at all. Like maybe occasionally, but not really. Um, and the other one, he was having them like multiple times a day. Um, and I couldn't figure out why. And they were frustrated. They were very like almost projecting this, projecting their issues onto him and onto me. And, you know, wanted me to have a Zoom meeting about his toileting and all this stuff. And what I ended up deciding to do after talking to the t- his teacher at the first school who was very clear that his behavior was normal. He was very rarely having accidents. She couldn't figure out why they would be happening constantly at this other school other than there's something going on with this teacher and the school and the way that they handle potty or the way that she's interacting with him that's making him anxious or whatever. We couldn't figure out exactly what it was. But I decided to follow my gut, which said, this is not a good place for your kid. It would be better for him to only be in school two days a week than to be in five days a week in an environment that is not conducive to his learning and like who he is as a person whatever sometimes you just have to be your kid's advocate so I decided to pull him out after two I think it was about three months um, that he was at that school I pulled him out so after that accidents pretty much went away Um, you know maybe he's had one or two since I don't even really remember but it was a really good learning experience both in like the way I managed his potty training and the language I used with him and also how I interacted with other caregivers and teachers and, and schools 
in regards to potty training. Okay, so all is well that ends well with, with Teddy. We moved to Baker. So Baker just turned four two days ago. So same exact scenario, given their ages, I was essentially potty training them at exactly the same time in terms of like their age. It was also MLK weekend. He was also going to be starting a school in the fall a few days a week where he would need to be potty trained. So Baker's situation, complete night and day from Teddy's. So backstory on Baker's potty is that this little guy, since he was maybe six or seven months old, he has always pooped in the middle of the night, like midnight, 1 a.m., sometimes 10 p.m., but in his sleep, it doesn't wake him up typically, doesn't bother him, but he poops in the middle of the night. Now, my policy with poop, if you've worked with me, you know, is if you can see it or smell it from outside the room, go change it. Otherwise, leave it be. So many nights from when he was a baby, pre-toddler, and young toddler before he was potty trained, if I was like, you know, turning off the lights, like, you know, cleaning up the kitchen, whatever, and I smelled something from his room, I would go and change him in his sleep. But if I didn't smell anything, like I didn't, I didn't go and check proactively, right? Because like that means either he hadn't gone yet or it was so small and insignificant that it is what it is. So that's the backstory on Baker. He's always done that, always in the middle of the night. That's pretty much the only time he, he poops. He really doesn't ever poop during the day. So when we potty trained him, I had that in the back of my mind. I thought this is going to be interesting because unlike Teddy, who had more like, I think, typical you know, bowel movements where it was some, you know, sometime in the middle of the day, I don't know how I'm going to like train him to, you know, to poop because he always goes in the middle of the night, right? I had it in the back of my mind, but unlike with Teddy, I wasn't so stressed, right? I, I kind of knew what I was going to do and I, I knew that I was going to release control. I was going to teach him, you give him the tools, I should say, to understand his body and, and react to it and know how to use the toilet, but I wasn't going to put so much pressure. So with Baker, when we did this three-step process, it was pretty much an, an, almost an overnight success with P. I mean, it, from my perspective, it was much faster than it was with Teddy. I mean, he, even to this day, I think he's had like total maybe five accidents ever with P. Like he just, he, he really got it very quickly. He was excited to do it. He knows that his big brother uses the potty. I'm sure that contributed a bit. And I know that the fact that I was really relaxed about it and used the right language and it gave him the control and took away the pressure really helped. Okay, now, problem is, he was still pooping in the middle of the night, right? So this goes on for a while, and I'm thinking, well, you know, he pooped, what am I going to do? I can't, like, force his body to go in the middle of the day. And I will tell you guys, honestly, I think it's a complete fool's errand to, like, adjust a child's diet in an attempt to get them to poop at a different time of day. I know there are theories around it. I think it's a little silly. Um, so I knew that just eventually this was going to come to a head. So maybe six or seven or eight months in, we have a day where we are, it's the evening, we're kind of getting ready for bed, and he gets this look on his face, and he's like, poopy, I have to go poopy, whatever, and he's like panicked, because he's not used to having this sensation during the day, and he knows that he uses the potty, and he was not excited about it, and I could tell that he like really had to go, so I did, I walked him over to the mini potty, pulled his pants down for him quickly in case he was really gonna like literally go, he went in the potty, we were like, yay, great job, Baker, you went poopy in the potty, that was it. We were like, cool, I guess our work here is done. Wrong. Um, that was kind of a flash in the pan at the time, and he went back to mostly going in the middle of the night. Now, the problem was, and I knew this would happen, the, the middle of the night poops over time started to move earlier and earlier in the night. So he was no longer going at like midnight. Now he's going at 9. Now he's going at 8.30. Now we're getting to a place where he is having to go in the evening, but because it's not something he's used to and he's nervous about, he's just basically holding it until he gets into his pull-up at night. Now, this is where a lot of parents would panic and say, I'm putting them in a bed, I'm taking away the night pull-ups, whatever, and I didn't. I, I did nothing differently. 
I would smell it at 8.45 or 9. I would go in and change it, and I would say, remember, if you have to go poopy in the evening, you tell mama, and we'll go poopy in the potty. Remember, poopy goes in the potty. And sometimes he would say, okay, I go poopy in the potty. And other times he would say, I know yike to potty for poopy and whatever he, you know, whatever. I was like, okay, well, that's what we do. Now that you're a big boy, you go in the potty. Didn't make a big deal about it. And what I also started doing when I noticed that pattern beginning as I started every night as a part of bedtime, you know, you, of course, you like brush your teeth and pee, but I started saying, do you want to try to go poopy? Do you feel any poopy coming? Why don't we go sit on the potty and see if you have to go? And if he said, no, he didn't want to try, I said, okay. Then we, we went to bed. Um, but oftentimes he would say he would want to go sit and try. And about 50% of the time, he would poop. So to me, this is progress, right? He's no longer like terrified of the toilet. And I would say, do you want me to stay with you or do you want me to give you privacy? And sometimes he'd want me to stay in the bathroom with him. And other times he would say, I want privacy. And I would shut the door, give him a, you know, a reasonable amount of time. And then I would go and say, okay, we're done trying. Did you go poopy or no? And we would see, say, great job if he did, not make a big deal about it if he didn't. And this just basically progressed over the last year that now it's much more rare. He will occasionally still go in his diaper overnight, but now more often it's become a part of his habit to try and to go before he goes to bed in the evening. So the thing is, of course, these are different kids. And if, you know, if I did everything perfectly with Teddy, do I think it would have been the same experience as Baker? No, I still think it would have been different. We still are dealing with the externality of the school that he was at, that particular teacher that was not a good fit for him, um, and just the fact that he's a different kid and he has a different learning style and, you know, different neurological needs and development and all the good stuff. So I don't think it's like an apples to apples by any means. And any parent who has more than one child, especially if they're the same gender and you feel like you're kind of doing the exact same thing, would tell you how different they are. But I do think that my biggest learning from the experience is how important it is to release that control and to really teach your primary goal really being to teach your child what their body, how to listen to their body and what their body needs to do versus just like forcing them to sit on a toilet. And knowing that the more like pressure, both positive and negative that you're putting on them, meaning rewards is like a positive pressure, right? And a punishment is a negative pressure. The more you do that, the more it typically backfires on you. And even if it doesn't backfire, it just gives you one more thing to have to worry about weaning away from, right? Like even if you really like offer an M&M every time and they sit and go, it's like, okay, well, what if they start asking for five M&Ms? Or what if you don't have M&Ms that day? Or what if, you know, it's two years later and they still need an M&M to poop, right? Um, so all to say... Those are my two stories about potty training. I hope it gave you some good insight into what this experience could look like if you haven't gone through it yet. And you can take what I learned the hard way and make it a better experience for your kids and for your family. Okay, love you guys. I will see you next week. Thanks for stopping by the snooze button. Loving the snooze button? Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And please leave a review. I will read it and internalize it. So make sure it's very glowing. If you're interested in working with me or learning more about my courses, head to britneysheehan.com or follow me on Instagram at britneysheehansleep.